The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I am Reba Haas of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And for the first time in over a year, you get just me. Not really just me, but my co-host Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank is not with us today because he is up in fabulous Whistler, Canada, shushing down the slopes and most likely eating a big old pile of poutine because <laughs> Jennifer here in the studio is having so much joy of me saying the pile of poutine. For you listeners out there, if you don't know what poutine is, it is a very, very decadent dish. You can look it up, P-O-U-T-I-N-E. It's basically a coronary on a plate. Yes, David Summers, thank you for that. It is. And uh, it's basically like fries with a gravy and sausage and cheese curds. And it's just decadently wonderful after you've spent a hard day skiing or you know snowboarding, any cross-country skiing, I don't care, whatever you're doing that's hard. That's a fantastic thing to finish it with, as long as you're, you know, healthy enough to be able to handle all that. But uh, I'm sure it is literally cardiac on a plate. But uh, anyway, so Eric's up there. We're uh, expecting him to text in a pile of poutine photo while we're here, hopefully. We'll post that on the blog this week when we get this uh, recording done. Um, but what it also means for our listeners today is, unfortunately, we're not going to have the typical market rate update. Um, usually we let Eric do that because he gets all the fun charts and, uh, everything from his workplace. And, uh, it would also be outside of my licensing for me to start getting into things such as interest rates. So, uh, we won't even try and touch that. Uh, what we have been seeing over the last couple of weeks, as many people know, since the election, we've seen some volatility in interest rates, uh, bouncing around up and down. Uh, we did see them go over 4% at a certain, uh, level. And they've been watching things very closely as uh, the rest of the election unfolds in terms of seeing who's being put in certain kinds of positions and what's going to happen. And then, of course, we're looking at overall world matters. And uh, today, speaking of things that matter, we're going to go on the more micro level. Instead of the macro level of what's going on in the world and how that might impact us, we're going to go micro. And today I have a wonderful guest. I'm so excited that he's here. Randy Banneker of Banneker & Associates, who is – what are you? So, Randy, why don't you say what your actual title is? Because I think of you as the PR consultant for the Seattle King County Association of Realtors. Sure. So I, I what I do is I help companies and organizations uh, do things with government or have government not do things to them. Okay. All right. So you're like a chaperone <laughs> of sorts. Right. right. You're like a government chaperone. <laughs> okay. That's way to put it. <laughs> yes, it's probably the kindest way I can put it. <laughs> but um, so we met many, many moons ago. Uh, right. I want to say very early on in my real estate career because I, th I joined the realtor organization immediately and dove into some of the committees. And we, we got to know each other through the 
as you say it, the Government and Public Affairs Committee right. at you, the association. Uh, you, you jumped into government affairs and uh, and you had a lot to say and a lot of smart uh, <laughs> a lot of smart things to say and and guidance for uh, for the organization and your colleagues. Oh wow, okay. I I hadn't heard that. Usually I get told I'm just being a smart ass. <laughs> so I guess thank you for that. I'll take that. Uh, that kudos along with uh, the card I got today. For anybody who happens to read Seattle Magazine, apparently uh, that's just come out with the Five Star Professional Awards. Congratulations. Yeah. So the staff here gave me this really cute card. I'm like totally over the moon about that. But um, but yeah, so I jumped into, you know, I jumped into the government and public affairs because going into this field, I know that we have so many regulations that impact us right. on federal, state and local levels. And I thought, what better way to get myself educated on these things right away? Because, you know, when I worked in technology, I was involved in different associations that kept me up to speed about what was happening in the industry, what was going on with the product development, that kind of stuff. It just made sense to get engaged at that level in a new industry. Right. And I'm so glad I did because I did learn quite a bit. Sometimes I was always at you – know, well, I shouldn't say I was always at. At times I was at odds yeah. with people in the organization. And I think sometimes that's helpful to hear a different point of view because right. oftentimes they kind of rally around their own point of view. Right. It's, it's that old saying, if, if everyone uh, is, is thinking alike, no one's thinking very much. And so <laughs> – Oh, my gosh. You, you almost made to... me spit my water out. <laughs> that's a great saying. I didn't know that one. <laughs> okay. I'll have to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I think, too, a lot of the um, – just speaking about some of the issues that, that realtors – tackle mm -hmm. they're very um they're not industry specific as they mu as much as they are homeowner specific right and so and that's that's a that's a, a really nice feature that's what i one of the reasons i really enjoy working with the association of realtors is that um a lot of their scope of work is trying to ensure that homeowners um their investments are protected and right. they have knowledge of of uh, a transaction how it mm -hmm. works um, that that someone is uh, fighting for them in terms of guarding against excessive fees and mm -hmm. delays in that process right. because um, what's good for them is good for the industry and that is an ability to to buy and sell real property in a way mm -hmm. that isn't encumbered right uh, yeah with with process and red tape right exactly and um, I'll say another reason I was super happy about having you come on is. There have been times, you know, Eric and I have known each other 13 years also, and we have a great working relationship with each other and lots of clients that we've worked with mutually. And, you know, we don't always work together, but, um, but we've got a long history of it. And a few times, even just on this show, he'll say, oh, the realtor will this and that. And I'm like, hold on a second. Not every agent is a realtor. Every realtor is an agent, but not every agent is a realtor. And he thinks I'm, you know, being pedantic or something. It's like, no, I'm, this is a serious thing. It is an organization and we do fight for a lot of things. A lot of people, um, you know, since I got in this industry, uh, I've told folks, you know, I used to sell one of the most boring technology products on the planet. Like mm -hmm. it's not even really necessary anymore, but it, it was so boring. But people were always, oh, you're in technology. Oh, tell me more. And I was like, there's not a lot. It's boring, necessary, but boring. Right. And then I got into real estate and literally I would be at cocktail parties and it one of two things would happen. People who knew me and had worked with me, 
I had a couple of them where I walked in. People were like, oh, oh my gosh, you're here. The, my realtor's here. Come over here. We need to talk to you. <laughs> and it was either I was pulled into a conversation very quickly because they were, you know, because people talk about real estate all the time, whether they realize it or not. I mean, sure. I could sit in any coffee shop or restaurant and five to eight tables around me, if I'm quiet and listening, which my husband won't believe I actually do, uh, you know, I'll hear all these tables around me. And at some point in every single table conversation, it will lead to something about housing, whether it's buying and selling, renting, thinking about moving, you know, all these, there's so many, you know, what's rezoning in their neighborhood. There's all kinds of things that are impacting them. And it's either I get that reaction of, oh my gosh, you're here. Please share with us what you know. Or there might be the, I don't know somebody and I'm getting introduced and they're like, oh, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent. And people will sometimes physically step a whole step away from me. Hmm. And I've, I've called people out on it and just said, did you just realize you did that? And they'll, what? And sometimes it's completely without them knowing. And I'll follow that question up with, what really bad experience did you have yeah. that makes you feel that way? Right. Like, obviously, you had a really bad experience. Please tell me about it because I want to make sure I never make that mistake. Right. And I learned a lot those first few years asking those kinds of questions and um, learned from other people's mistakes. It's one of the other things about the Realtor Association from an education standpoint, like Jen, who's here in the room with us today, um, you know, she's newer in the industry. And so one of the things I love about it is that twice a week, we get these educational updates by the way of the legal questions. Right. So Annie Fitzsimmons sending out the Q&A um, that comes from the legal hotline on Tuesdays. Every Tuesday it's there. And then on Fridays, now it used to be another email. Now they send it out in video and it talks about something that's going on in the industry. Right. And I, I am faithfully reading those because you can gain so much more real world knowledge without putting your client at risk. Exactly. And so, again, that was why I joined... You know, the Realtor Association, that's why I jumped into government affairs right away and just got engaged. And so, yeah, we, we, you and I met and given what you do, so you learn a lot about what's going on in the overall state as well as the county, down to the city level. And right. when you and I met recently, um, we kind of wanted to focus on mostly, well, Kind of the whole area, but a lot of Seattle too. Right. Right. Because affordable housing is a huge issue here. And, and Seattle is, you know, for 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 our county, for our region, it's it's kind of the bellwether. It's the telltale. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what's happening in Seattle, we're going to start to see happen in the mm-hmm. adjoining cities and the suburban cities. Right. And so um, Seattle is just a, a great way to kind of look and see what's going right, what's maybe mm-hmm. needs a little course correction. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if, you're, if your focus is, is, is even outside the city of Seattle. Okay. So what I know we want to cover a lot of stuff today. So we're going to talk about what's going on in the city of Seattle. We're also going to touch on Growth Management Act, right? Yes. And okay. they're connected. Right. They are definitely connected. So I'm going to put this out there for our listeners because in case you want to get queued up with a question that you might find pertinent to today's uh, show, we do have a 866-712-1300 as our number. And David Summers will be the person who will answer that call and get you queued up for us if you choose to do so. But I know there's a lot of people who get impacted by the Growth Management Act. 
And uh, so we may end up having some people, and there's a lot of Seattle folks right now all fired up about all kinds of things around housing and affordability right. and what's going on in the rental market and some of the things the council's doing. But again, I'm going to give that number out, 866-712-1300. As we start preparing to go into the next segment, because we'll get about 12 minutes of time to, to really get into the meat of something, what do you think is going to be the first thing that we want to try and address? I think it's our biggest challenge, and that is the middle the middle class, middle income earners mm-hmm. are finding fewer and fewer options for living near their job yeah. in Seattle. Okay. All right. I think that's going to be a phenomenal topic. So listeners, most definitely, if affordability is an issue for you or there's you have thoughts on what you think we could do to work on affordability, please do call in. We're team – well, I'm with Team Reba, but this is <laughs> – open house with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba Remax Metro Realty. We'll be right back in a moment. If you'd like to call into the show, now's your chance. It's 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I am Reba Hass of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And today we're talking with Randy Banneker of Banneker and Associates, who works with government and public affairs, uh, consulting with the Association of Realtors locally. Um, I know him through the Seattle King County version of that. There's different different levels. Many people don't realize that they come in at different levels. Um, but Randy, thanks for being here today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, reminder to anybody, if you didn't get it on the break, the number here is 866-712-1300 if you have any questions. We're going to jump into topics of housing affordability and uh, eventually working our way to the Growth Management Act. So if you get hot and bothered on those topics, call that number. We'll patch you in and maybe we'll be able to answer your questions. But we were talking before the break, the hot button in Seattle. Right. So it is getting increasingly difficult if you are a moderate income earner Mm -hmm. to figure out how you're going to afford to live in Seattle. So can you identify... Moderate income earner. What's well, that mean here? Well, I would I would think that 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 means uh, a household that's earning somewhere between eighty thousand and one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Okay. So um, pretty respectable wages, and again, if they're if they're on the market in Seattle, mm-hmm. they are looking at prices that are somewhere between six hundred thousand dollars or between five fifty and six hundred for easily for a house maybe more and and maybe a little more affordable actually for not a even condo? a house you're mostly looking at uh, probably a townhome okay we actually uh, so Jen and I just were taking around a couple from California that are looking to buy a couple of uh, rental properties here mm-hmm. and he has a million dollars of cash that he wow. is willing to buy two properties and I went oh you want two half million or less Oh, and you want a single family. Yeah. In North Seattle, close to your other rental. Probably not going to happen. So we just got done showing him. Now in Shoreline, we saw a brand new construction home that was selling for about seven and a quarter. Okay. Beautiful home, brand new. And then we also saw a townhouse that had been foreclosed on, but it's a two-story townhouse. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Um, That 
that was something that got him excited because it was listed around, what was it, Jen, around like four and a quarter or so, something like that. So he was very excited at 4.15, he might be able to get a second property. Then we got into Seattle because we we started north and went south uh, on our way towards Ballard. So we kind of cut across all of that. And the townhomes that we looked at, all the brand new construction ones, ranged anything from 699 to 850. And the older townhomes that were built in the early 2000s were running roughly, what, 599 to 650, maybe 700, depending on the square footage. Right. So to your point, yeah, that gets, uh, that gets really difficult quickly, especially if you're a single person. Right. Right. If you have a dual income, you might still be able to make it happen with the interest rates still being as low as they are. Right. But it does become a huge challenge. Right. And and just so just demographically um, mm-hmm. for, for our for, for the Seattle metro area, you know, mm-hmm. we're seeing household formation isn't happening as soon in life as no. it used to. And so there are a lot of folks who are, um, you know, well into their career, but also mm-hmm. choosing to, to live on their own. Right. And uh, that's. Nothing that that we want to encourage or discourage is just a reality. Right. But it makes it tough for those folks because what it what it does is it says you know maybe you if you work in Seattle maybe you maybe you can't live here mm-hmm. and so where do you go? Right. And it's that where do you go question that is a challenge to that individual's quality of life because right. they're spending more time commuting. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it's also a well, challenge. Well, it depends on how you're commuting. Because I'm, right. a, I'm a big fan of mass transit, mm-hmm. which this is probably where you heard me making a lot of noise in those meetings right. because we had other people who gave voice within those meetings saying, no, we need more lanes on the road. Right. And I would just go out of my mind because I'd think, are you even talking to our client base? Do you even see who's moving here? Because most of it, that was half the conversation today was a lot of these places we looked at, they were like, there's no garage. And we're like, I know. <laughs> and a lot of people don't have a car or between two people, they may have a car and they're looking for that mass transit. And I know people who would probably be willing to go out to the more affordable areas, mm-hmm. but they have so few options for transportation. Because right. I mean, I would certainly commute if I could be on a train and reading a book. Yes. I mean, what a beautiful way to start and end your day. So soothing and just wonderful or listening to music, just relaxing. How great. But when you're in gridlock, that's why so many people are going to crazy town out here because <laughs> they're, yeah. they're stuck in red light traffic all the time. Which is a, you know, it's a challenge that it's, well, let me put it this way. It's a corner that we have painted ourselves in. Right. And, and here's why. So let's, I mean, let's, let's just talk about that. On, on the on the plus side, what we don't want to change is that this this economy is, of ours is vibrant. I mean, Very. we have uh, our region has turned the corner. You know, as if we were if we were chatting five or six years ago, mm-hmm. one of the things in terms of economic development we would have we would have talked about is, hey, are we going to be number two behind Silicon Valley, or mm-hmm. you know, are we going to compete with Austin or Raleigh Durham to right. be that that tech option mm-hmm. that is just that that one right. concentric circle outside of of Palo Alto. Right. Well, we we are firmly that in that number 2 position, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. Number oh, yeah. 2 is not We didn't used to be. Yeah. And plus plus the aerospace and and the biotech and those things mm-hmm. are firing on all cylinders and that Absolutely. we don't want to stop. Right. Uh, what we want to do is make sure that as those 
as those jobs are created and as we welcome people to mm-hmm. our region, we have a place for them to go at night right? Uh, when they when they go home from work. Right. And I know a lot of people are challenged by the fact that if you're coming up from California, our housing prices look like a deal. But yes. if you're moving here from Austin or Colorado Springs or portions of the Chicago outlying area, some other folks – there's massive sticker shock. Exactly. Massive sticker shock. Just for our listeners, just to give you a point of reference, because we've gotten so accustomed, I think, to what the prices look like here. Uh, Remax, the organization I work under, uh, sends out, we send out these monthly housing reports. Mm-hmm. Well, the average sale price across the United States is still like around $260,000. Right. You know, that's, you can't, you can't even get a piece of land around here for that. Exactly. You know, at least on the north side or central section of Seattle, like it's, it's impossible. A builder would be thrilled <laughs> to yeah. be able That's to find right. something at that point. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. To, but back to you. Sorry, Randy. Well, so so what we need to think about um, as a region is more housing supply and getting into a point where we're balancing um, new jobs with new housing units. Mm-hmm. Now, new housing units, as you just described, mm-hmm. the new stuff isn't affordable ever, right. but it creates a move up position for someone who's occupying existing structures. Right. right? And that mm-hmm. is the affordable alternative. Yeah. And that's true for ownership and rental. Housing. Right. Um, and so we need to be much more aggressive in how we look at that housing supply. Okay. And what do you mean by that? We have to upzone. Okay. And th- it's a very, and when you say upzone, you mean density, density, Okay. So let me let me let's talk about that. Um, voters just a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. passed an enormous. Besides going package. into a massive depression, right? Some of them. But well, <laughs> locally, some of them were happy. Some were very depressed. <laughs> That's right. I saw, several of them were my clients. I was watching them all over Facebook. They're like, no. Yeah. Yeah. But you know. Well, locally, it was a, diff- a little bit of a different story, right? Mm-hmm. Because locally, voters passed the sound transit package. Yes. And that. Is fifty five billion dollars? Fifty five. I voted for billion dollars, as you can imagine. Tremendous investments mm-hmm. in transportation. Yeah, and and this unfortunately is, it bypasses where I live in Renton, which kind of torques me off. Right, but yes. yeah, everyone wants it uh, the the train to come to their front door. Well, it bypasses um, I, us I entirely. Yeah, it goes up and around, and then and we're at, like the center. Right, you yeah. know, it, uh, with our fabulous. Curves apparently that we're not really ahead of. <laughs> <laughs> so that that needs to be worked on. But at the end of the day, we're making these huge investments mm-hmm. in that light rail system. Yeah. And where we have stations, we need to be dense, urban. Oh, absolutely. Big city. I agree. I, we need to be more. In my thought process, if you've ever traveled to Europe or right. to other large major metro areas that have options of trains and other things besides just their buses. That's right. It's, I don't have to rent cars right. when I go to other big cities because there's so many other options available to me. Right. And it's frustrating because people can't do that here. I think we're going to get there, but I am, I'm, I'm worried really about how seriously we take that urban infill and that mm-hmm. density that, that will create housing options 
Um, it's not going to it's not going to diminish a, a current homeowner's investment, but it could hold us. It could bring some stability to the marketplace mm-hmm. in a way that people can get in, can get right. in on the on the housing ladder, right. and and begin enjoying um, that experience. Well, okay. So to your point too, a lot of that dense housing that's being built right now is rentals, and yes. so people yes. aren't getting an opportunity to get in on. That's ownership right. because those are all developers primarily from out of area right that are building here I think you know I you're right um, but I, at this point I will take any square foot of residential space I can get blind right. to whether true um, it's true, it's true. for rent or for sale some of those um, apartment buildings those rental structures are going to convert to condo I think that's exactly how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> And that's good. Yeah. Not everybody agrees with me, but I have a feeling that there's – some people are like, oh, the cost for conversion is just so massive. And I'm like, I don't know. I think those guys pencil numbers out, and right. I think there's other reasons behind why they're doing it the way they're doing it. Right. And in the end, I think they still will make oodles, because that's a technical term, oodles of cash at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But okay. Well, so just by having that rental housing – because you're right. Rental housing, the prices were getting really out of hand because I right. can tell you also from talking to many, many individuals, I know a lot of people who had to move just because rents were getting cranked up or when someone came to the end of their first year lease, now there were suddenly these large additional amounts added on for the month to month option. That's so right. it was either you sign another year or even two years in some cases and lock the the rate in, or you paid a, a penalty to be month to month, which frankly was kind of weird to me because it was like, wait a minute, you're you're trying to get them out because you want to raise the rent, and that's your first way of being able to do it. And so I watched a lot of people changing their housing and struggling through that mm-hmm. um, very recently. So yeah, okay, I guess I'm with you on that. <laughs> At first, I wasn't going to say I was necessarily going to do it, but um, I'm getting all winded too. I get excited about this stuff. So if you get as excited and winded as I do about these topics, call us at 866-712-1300 KKOL. Got a question? Call it in. We started getting into some of those hot topics. We did. Of uh, U District and yeah. upzoning. Talking right. about affordability and getting density and being right. around mass transit. So tell us what happened when you were recently at a meeting about the U District upzone. So I attended a public hearing, um, kind of an open house and public hearing last week that was, uh, that was presented by the city council. Mm-hmm. Um, and the council is reviewing a proposed upzone of the mm-hmm. University District. And it um, it is consistent with the HALA 
grand okay. bargain package, which was that effort that uh, the mayor undertook, Housing Affordability and Livability Advisory mm-hmm. Committee, and they looked at ways to bring um, greater affordability to the city mm-hmm. um, through um, increased zoning, more units, mm-hmm. more market rate units, but also a, a, a great number of subsidized or income quali- qualified units. Okay. And so the U District is is in the queue for those for that mm-hmm. upzone as well. And I testified in favor of the proposed upzone, which okay. would bring um, would add about five thousand market rate units and up to around nine hundred or a thousand subsidized units over time, over ten mm-hmm. years. And it would do that by allowing some increased heights on the the uh, building that is adjacent to the the building. Uh, the old Safeco building, mm-hmm. which is now the the UW administration right. building. Now, uh, are they upzoning to that same height of that building, or no? There will, the heights will get as high, I believe, as three hundred and twenty feet. Okay, so about, that's about you know that's so thirty two stories okay. somewhere in that yeah, neighborhood, depending on ceiling heights. And and the way that um, the twenty five to thirty affordable housing program works is that. Um, you are required for a certain level of, of affordability, but you can increase your heights if you commit to gra- a greater number of right. affordable or subsidized right. units. And so there's this incentive process. Mm-hmm. It's a value for value. The the developer gets a little more, and mm-hmm. then um, right. affordable housing gets more. Right. So our tax credit at work. Yeah. 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 And there's well, there's a tax credit program. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, essentially a a a fee that is charged for that increase, mm-hmm. that uh, opportunity to increase your height. Okay. Um, and and that's not throughout the U District. It's just in certain blocks right near the Sound Transit Station, which right. we talked Where about before. It would make the most sense. You make an investment of that magnitude, millions and millions of dollars, mm-hmm. um, you know, $55 billion for the – well, it's more than that for the whole system. Um, those are the places where you want the densities, where right. people can – um, live right near the station and be able to go downtown or be able right. to go to Bellevue or, wh- or wherever they need to go. Um, but you said you were booed. So I was booed. And I was booed by people who just don't think this thing will work. And they don't think they, what they, th- they are concerned that it will erode their quality of life. And that's because they live in the single-family homes nearby, or or, or they live in a, 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 an apartment that has a reasonably affordable rent, and they're worried that that's going to spike upwards, or they're in an adjacent neighborhood that does not want to see increased traffic. They just um, mm-hmm. they're and at, at the end of the day, I think increased people, traffic. So they're worried about the parking. Is it really parking, the traffic or the parking? Parking is, is always a big issue. Oh, yeah. Parking's an issue in Ballard, for instance. Oh, yeah. We I mean, found that out today again. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. It was a reminder. I was glad I wasn't in my husband's truck. <laughs> it would be a nightmare. The city, the city has gone through kind of ebbs and flows of requiring parking or not requiring parking. Right. Um, yeah. If Well, not requiring parking if you're in proximity to mass transit, if you have alternatives. Right. right. Um, and that – that ebb and flow can be very frustrating for um, for neighborhoods that right. feel like they're overwhelmed. And I think it's I think at the core of it, these folks don't want to be overwhelmed with new development, and they are not trusting that the city will protect them from that. And yet, and yet, but who else? I mean, if you don't have someone kind of watching it, I mean, but, the developers themselves, if they had leeway. There'd be 
no affordability whatsoever. Well, I'm being not. Provided. I'm not willing to be that rough on the developers. I think. I think they're willing to. Um, they're 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 being adults about this. They recognize that there is a mm-hmm. challenge, region wide, city wide, and they're at the table. I think the city has gotten smarter too. About is that the local developers, or are we talking out of area people too? Well, the local developers are the ones that are because those I I will give you credit. A lot of them do actually get yeah. engaged and involved. Our, our master builders association right. give kudos to them. But what bothers me is when I see so much out of area money right. coming in because we've got a lot of Chinese builders coming in now. Well, the, the, the local builders are the ones that are at the table um, having the dialogue with the city, with the neighborhoods mm-hmm. about how the zoning regulations, the development regulations should play out. What, what should be the look and feel of the mm-hmm. heights, the setbacks, all those things. And I think the city, the development community has gotten smarter about creating spaces that are really inviting, that are mm-hmm. walkable, that are you know, they're pedestrian friendly. They make yeah. you feel like you're happy to be there. Right. And those are the sort of elements that we're also seeing emerge in this plan, where they've they're talking about festival streets. They're talking about um, oh, interesting opportunities okay. for for local retail. Um, retail on the Ave has suffered for many years. Yes, it has. Um, this will yeah. be a, a a big part about. But that's partly because of U Village, isn't it? It is, but I think there's also some public safety questions. Mm-hmm. I think there's also just um, is your is your catchment of of consumers enough to right. support you know uh, a, a broader array of retail, right. local retail. Got it. Um, so those are those are the the opportunities there, and I and I think we really need to grab onto those opportunities instead of just saying no. Um, we also just. You know, as a as a community, we're skeptical about major institutions. In this mm-hmm. case, it's the UW, and the UW is vibrant and growing. And I think oh, we yeah. see a lot of neighbors worried that that the institution is going to engulf their neighborhood and and um, again bring on change that is unpleasant. And yet, the UW is is it's such a key component to our area. It's a big, it's a huge job driver. Yeah. It's a huge it's, job it's, driver. It's a job driver and the technology and other things that right. come out of the research that happens there right. spins off into so many other businesses that are here. Well, in fact, uh, one of the components uh, parallel to the city's Upstone plan, the UW has a master plan that's a, that it's pursuing. And I don't mm-hmm. know a whole lot about it, but I have heard elements like they are, are exploring the idea of this um, uh, business incubator zone, mm-hmm. where some of those technologies, some of those ideas that are developed within the institution, mm-hmm. then get a little incubation to make it into oh, commercialization, of selling it the technology the itself, actually trying to, but also playing a role, also okay. playing a role in helping people commercialize that technology, right? More, more, even more than they have before. Okay. And so that's really interesting One of my past stuff. clients used to be, or I shouldn't say used to, she still is. She works there helping with the licensing of technology mm-hmm. that comes out of the UW. It was fascinating talking with her years ago when helping her buy a condo. But, right. Uh, and she, she struggled with the same issue. Yes. She was trying to find something that was affordable enough for her, but within, she didn't want to have to drive all the time right. because the parking is a problem on campus. And so she was like, I don't want to have to deal with that. And in fact, she wasn't even necessarily on campus. She was in one of the buildings nearby. And so she was like, oh, I need to have something that's easy to get there to and fro. And right. so she did find that eventually. But um, 
I mean, it's been going on. It's going on for decades. Actually. It's been going on for a long time. And 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 we talked earlier on about the Growth Management Act, mm-hmm. and I'd I'd love to weave a little bit of that in. Yes, okay. please do. So the Growth Management Act came about in the late '80s, early '90s, mm-hmm. and yeah, we always tell everyone it kind of started around 1990. Yeah. Yeah, 94, I think it actually the plan started to get implemented. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that we were we had another growth spurt mm-hmm. and we were yeah. becoming legitimately it was worried. Right when I moved here, by the way. Yeah. Well, you December were part 2nd, of that. 1989. <laughs> that's that's right. Me coming up here with my Boeing roommate. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of worry about sprawl. Right. All over the region and that we were going to um, we were going to, you know, develop housing and commercial buildings all the way mm-hmm. up to Snoqualmie Pass. Right, yeah. And so growth management came in and said, no, um, communities need to plan, and we're going to protect our resource lands, mm-hmm. natural lands, and we're going to direct growth into urban areas, exist largely mm-hmm. existing urban areas. Right. And then where we have rural towns, we're going to protect those so we don't lose the, the character of those towns. Great, great Like goals. North Bend? Like North Bend or Snoqualmie. Yeah. Um, you know, we we have those towns. Vashon is another, mm-hmm. um, and and that has been really successful. But another part of that plan was ensuring that we were balancing jobs and housing. So we were going to track jobs and population, and ensure that communities, local jurisdictions, cities, um, and the county as a whole were were providing not not building the housing, but allowing the housing to be built relative to the job growth. Okay. Okay. What's happened is we have kind of forgotten about that piece. That piece is a um it is a it, it's a compliance process as opposed to city by city saying, "Yeah, we are going to ensure that there's an adequate supply of housing." Because politically, it is a great way to get yourself unelected if you are a proponent of growth. Oh, interesting. Really? And that's what we need to turn around. Do you feel that that's true even like a city like Bellevue? Absolutely. It is very, it is risky. Even though Bellevue has had such tremendous amounts of growth over the last 30 years. Talk to someone about a more intense use near their neighborhood. Oh, well, people individually get all kinds of NIMBY on you. So, but, but yet. Bellevue prices being the way they are have 100% to do with what they've done in their downtown core. For and that's been growth. a mini long- no one yeah, commercial growth is contained and city by city what's challenging is delivering on the residential growth and I and not mowing down single family mm-hmm. detached neighborhoods. Okay, so but oh. looking for opportunities mm-hmm. to increase intensity where it makes sense to do it. Right. By that, I mean adding residential units. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes I, th- I feel like there's some people who want to hold on to I, – I think it's less about fighting growth because they're like, oh, not in my backyard. Oh, it's going to make my life horrible. I think of it sometimes as they're like, no, I just want to protect my own personal equity. But it's a different topic. So anyway, we're going to get back into that. Call us if you want to talk about this, 866-712-1300. I'm Reba Hass from Team Reba, Open House with Team Reba. Back in Open House has open phone lines. Give us a call at 866-712-1300. 
Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba. And once again, we are here with Randy Banneker of Banneker & Associates. Thank you once again for spending your valuable time with us. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so during the break, we were having all kinds of fun dogging on all kinds of different cities around here. <laughs> Not just the U District. <laughs> People mean like not in my backyard. We got a little uh, hot topic on uh, Bellevue and Kirkland. Right, right. So, so you know, uh, we're, we're seeing cities around the region um, look for opportunities to um, to increase housing supply. Um, that's been good, but again, it is a really tough thing to do if you're a elected official, a policymaker, mm-hmm. and you're the one leading the charge for that for that change. Um, it just is not very popular at all because it it again it challenges people's mm-hmm. sense of of um, why they came to that community. Right. But we all kind of need to be responsible for turning that idea around and mm-hmm. and and the reason is um at some point if you can only live in Seattle, Bellevue, Redmond, Kirkland if mm-hmm. you are wealthy enough to afford, you know, what is approaching, right. you know, 700, 800, $900,000 mm-hmm. for a house or if mm-hmm. you're poor enough to qualify for the subsidized housing. It's the middle class that we send packing. And those are the folks that are on I-5 filling it. And and that's just not fair. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's something that we can do about it. And that is balance the jobs and the housing. The longer term, though, I mean, mm -hmm. so so – if more and more people are locked out of the housing market, eventually mm-hmm. that's a problem for employers. Because if oh, you're, absolutely. If you're an employer in Seattle or, or Bellevue or, mm-hmm. or Redmond, can you afford to pay your employees enough to live in a proximity to the office that they can get there reliably? Right. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, so a lot of people don't necessarily, even though they've seen them all over the place, most people don't realize that Microsoft runs the second largest transportation system in the area. That's right. And That's right. they had to start doing that because they can only get to a certain point of, you know, paying payroll to their employees. And a lot of times, you know, especially given some of the hours some of these folks work, it's not uncommon for them to have a spouse stay at home. Right. And so taking what still is a decent income for a single wage earner it's still hard to purchase anything in those, you know, core cities. So what we end up finding is that Microsoft had to get creative and create their own, you know, busing system. Right. Those shuttles you see everywhere, the big buses or the little mini bus, you know, uh-huh. that's the only time I've ever had the short bus baby. Oh, that's about smart people going by, you know, kind of joke. But, um, you know, and they have Wi-Fi on there. Yep. You know, like you're not supposed to be talking on your phone, be productive, and they're getting their work done, mm-hmm. right? That's why they have the drivers so they can actually get things done. And I've had lots of clients that they've bought homes in Kent and Auburn and Maple Valley. And they, what they do is they try and check and make sure that they're within a five to 10 minute commute to, to the, the shuttle. Yeah, mm-hmm. to the connector. And Amazon has just started their own shuttle service. Mm-hmm. I think Google as well has a... Uh, I believe they are also on that same bandwagon right. uh, or bus wagon, however you want to call it. But um, they are having to get very creative to be able to to deal with this because we don't have enough people locally who have the skill sets even that they need for those jobs. Most people are still surprised to find out in downtown core Bellevue, 
30% of the residents in downtown Core Bellevue are from out of country. Mm-hmm. So there's huge numbers of people coming here from all other places, many of them from more dense places than here right. that are looking even for that urban environment. Right. They want and expect it right. and need it, frankly. They don't want to necessarily always be in the suburbs, although they keep saying uh, millennials are the ones who all want that. I've been reading tons of reports that about 50% of them really are still looking for that suburban experience. But that's because they're the ones that are at the higher end, I think, of the mm-hmm. age range of millennials because they're in their 30s and now they're trying to start families. Right. But you know, to your point, these um, cities that are not having housing be affordable for the employees it will it will definitely at some point hit us what i don't have is the crystal ball that says how much will it hit us like right. how is it going to hit us well i th- i think we're already seeing it happening mm-hmm. um we're seeing an uh there was a there was a, a feature in the sunday times i think just just this past weekend about how um some washingtonians are leaving Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. uh, for that for that affordability idea, yeah, and so a um, lot of these businesses locally are putting they're transplanting to other cities just so their people can be in affordable housing. So obviously, we can't we can't fully control the market, but I think if we're aware of it and we're taking some steps to um, address it and mm-hmm. and confine um, the exodus, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so, you know, there are good reasons to do it. One is just for that, for that quality of life mm-hmm. for, you know, a lot of us are here, stay here because this is a wonderful place to live. Right. Um, we don't want to lose that. Right. I think also, and, and part of that is an environmental quality. That environmental quality is diminished if we can't succeed on the growth management goal of compact urban development. Yeah. I, I, I'm in agreement with you. And so that. it's, it's a, it's a serious, it's a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that, uh, that we can work on, um, we can commit to, you know, urban densities that work. Mm-hmm. We can look to models that, um, where it's, where it's really a, a, a win-win. Yeah. And I think, you know, you describe, where, where would you say is one of those? I think uh, Vancouver, BC has done a lot on uh, residential densities. They've had some, they've stumbled a little bit on um, the commercial vibrance of their urban core, downtown Vancouver, mm-hmm. but, and they have a different economy. They, they don't right. have um, the, the, this golden egg of, of tech. Right investment that keeps growing in our region. Mm -hmm. But they have done a great job, I think, of um, providing a balanced Mm -hmm. uh, look and feel to the streetscape. They haven't haven't, uh, won on affordability, but they've leaned into it in a way that has been um, much more aggressive than we have. Okay, you might have to come back for another show we're going to have about that new 15% tax though they just slapped in because that's right. that's impacted them. Like I'm hearing what you're saying, but I also know that there's entire towers that have been bought up by Chinese investors that sit empty. And there's no streetscape because nobody lives there and no businesses can thrive because there's no one to go buy their products. So we obviously don't want to get into a situation where we have any of those things happening, obviously. But I, I vacillate about whether or not Vancouver is the best. You know, they, they have some transit, but they yeah. also have some other 
Well, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the best, but okay. I'm saying that, that you can go there and you can have a, an urban experience that is that feels like a, a good quality. Yes. A good quality experience. Mm-hmm. And um, they've got the natural beauty that we have. Yes. Um, and so, you know, it's worth looking. Yeah. At yeah. It's, it's, it's a kind of good sister city. Yeah. Okay. So I know we only have a couple minutes left. Mm-hmm. So... I know when you and I first met to discuss you coming on the show, are you willing to come on here other times? I'd love to. I'd love to. I mean, these are are great issues, and I really appreciate you taking this stuff on because it matters. This stuff gets me all kinds of fired up. So, (laughs) Well, and and you're right. It it matters to me, not just because I find it interesting, but it impacts my clients on a day-to-day basis. I work with people who are working in those tech firms. I work with people who are at Boeing on all sides of, you know, Lake Washington and, and where, you know, seeing them through boom, you know, and bust kind of periods. And, um, you know, I have to listen every day to their challenges and, you know, working with school teachers, you know, we have a school teacher we're working with right now that just the interest rate bump alone might just knock her right out of the potential of purchasing something. And this is a gal who moved here from the New York area you know, where she already had seen sky high prices and she was excited about the idea of maybe being able to buy for once. Um, but the challenge for her is that her boyfriend, she's she's working in the Renton School District, but her boyfriend works in like Linwood or Everett or something. And so the challenge is, is who's going to get the crap commute? <laughs> They're going to have, you know, and based on price point, it's going to probably be him mm-hmm. because she can only afford about 300000 So we're going to, if she wants a home because they have dogs, we're going to be looking on the south end. But uh, we're finishing up our day today. Randy Banneker, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week, Tuesday, 3 to 4 p.m. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash Max Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Tuesday at 3 for more Open House with Team Reba here on Business Radio 1300 KKOL. program sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage.